Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup episode 114. Now, this is where we round up the most important tech, digital and innovation highlights from across the African continent. My name is Andy Lemasugu. Thank you for listening in once again. Musa Kalanga is with me on the mic. Welcome back, Musa. Thank you very much and hello to everybody out there. Good to be back as always. Indeed, man. And we're doing something a little different for this show. I mean, um, I, I did introduce our show as, you know, where we, we round up the most important tech, digital and innovation highlights from across the African continent, which uh, is normally what we do. But today, there's just so much to reflect on based on the last week or so I've spent in, in various conferences interacting with some of the smartest uh, people in our ecosystem and some of the uh, issues that have sort of filtered to the top and been grappling with, literally wrestling with in some cases, have been far too much to to deal with alone. And I thought I'd bring them to the show and speak to you about it, Musa. Do you mind me just jumping on the couch a bit? <laughs> yeah, that, that aside, I know you're also feeling a bit sick like me today. It's been a long week, long couple of uh, long couple of months, and we're approaching the end of the year. But there are lots of issues that we need to unpack and speak about. So, yes, we have you on the couch today. But um, hopefully we'll be able to use your, uh, your, your session to try and unpack some of the issues that we are facing and we're struggling with. So I'm looking forward to, to getting into the meat. Absolutely. And to give you some sense of what to expect, well, um, there was a gathering of uh, Tech Hub founders and runners from at least eight African countries that was hosted at Simulokong Precinct, which is uh, a Tech Hub that is uh, built by Vitz in Bromfontein, uh, that's in downtown Johannesburg. And so no less than 32-odd founders from across the African continent uh, converged for this gathering and... Um, I was lucky enough to facilitate a very, very spirited debate and discussion and learning really around the role of tech hubs on the continent and what it is they're doing really well, what they can do better perhaps. And and really what we were trying to do was come away with actionable insights that all, all of the uh, participants could, could then go and apply in their context. And so there's some interesting things to come out of that gathering. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring to the table one of the more controversial things and try and sort of diagnose why it was in fact... Uh, controversial and then of course there was um, the annual African Angel Investor Summit which was hosted in, in Cape Town for the first time actually I think it's been hosted in, in, in Lagos for two years running and it was really nice to have it come down to Southern Africa um, hats off to the organizers it was an incredible gathering the networking was sublime the, the insights were on point and um, I had the opportunity to, to, to host a, a panel discussion and to do a, a whole host of interviews that you can look forward to to hearing right here on the show uh, in the coming weeks uh but yeah again some important issues to come to the fore and and really worth grappling with and sharing with all of you so you can look forward to uh insights from those two events but before we get to all of that this episode of the african tech roundup is brought to you by ask an african it's our new standalone innovation that we've been working on at the jam lab accelerator as it happens in the past week we had the opportunity to at um, our demo day uh, present some of the commercial propositions that we've been workshopping uh, as part of that accelerator, which is, of course, in partnership with Wits University and Ryerson University, Toronto. And uh, and so um, uh, Ask an African is one we've already started beta testing. Uh, it basically involves letting all of you in on the magic we experience in producing the podcast, uh, delivering curated, moderated, private, virtual uh, conversations uh, 
as and when you need them. We think we're quite well positioned to deliver on that proposition. And if that sounds interesting to you on any level, we look forward to hearing from you if you're interested in, in uh, signing up for our beta, either as a client or indeed uh, a participant, a discussant, a conversant uh, as part of our process. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout via email using hello at africantechroundup.com. We're happy to give you all the details you need to understand what it is we're up to. We can't wait to hear from you. And so, Musa, let's talk a little bit. Um, this gathering, if, if you're interested at all in, in sort of picking up or you know finding some highlights on the event, on social media, mostly on Twitter, you'll, you'll find under the hashtag TechHubAfrica17, hashtag TechHubAfrica17. 17 you'll see some of the um you know some of the highlights i suppose from that event just if you want to catch up but yeah it's one of the more controversial things to come up at that meeting because what we did was we got the uh, participants to to set their own agenda and, and this particular topic warranted the only full plenary session uh, that involved everybody just because everybody had something to say very emotive responses to, to the simple question really which is what is Africa's tech and innovation ecosystem? I think the topic they settled on was unpacking the nuances in Africa's tech and innovation ecosystem. And upon reflection, um, it occurs to me that the reason everybody had uh, an opinion about and was really precious about is, is because I think the discussion happens at the sort of convergence of politics, values, and technology. And I sensed that everyone in the room had a take and, and perhaps a, a burden they were bearing in terms of their own personal context, perhaps a justice complex they were nursing, not unlike mine. And as a result, having a sort of unemotional uh, discussion about this topic was virtually impossible. And so, Musa, really, I'd, I'd like you to factor in on the discussion. Uh, when you think of our ecosystem, we use these words quite loosely on the show. We say ecosystem. We like to think of ourselves here at the African Tech Roundup as ecosystem focused. And, and we think of ourselves as, as helping, you know, map networks and test the strength and, and nature of relationships. With, well, I mean, we say uh, within this network, we say things like that all the time, assuming we're all on the same page about what this ecosystem is and who is a legitimate player in, the, in, the, in that ecosystem. What's your take? Uh, what comes to mind when, you know, when I say ecosystem, for example? So I think one of the reasons why the discussion was so spirited and heated in your case and why it ended up around this notion of let's define, let's start to understand and unpack um, is because in defining and in creating a shape or an understanding of what the picture is, there's also a process of allocating almost roles and responsibilities. Um, and I think a lot of different players, especially ones that are native to an environment in the Africa context, um, may be coming, as you said, with a lot of baggage into a discussion about ecosystem. And so the first thing they want to do is clarify, um, what is the starting point? What is the ending point? And in so doing, where do I fit in the picture? All right. So that definition, I think, might have been one of the reasons why it became quite quite spirited and political. But I can't fault anybody for wanting to get that right. Uh, the second thing is that the reason why people would be wanting to define an ecosystem it fundamentally means that they don't feel like they're either part of one or that they're literally they're participating in an ecosystem that is happening without them. 
So there's a view that I'm an outsider and there's something happening and I'm watching it happen or I see it happening in front of me and I can't actually participate in it. So it's about me, but it's not for me or with me, actually. Correct. And I think that's the nuance around, around, around the politics is that the ecosystem thought should not have been an us and them thing. It shouldn't have been. For me, it felt like an ecosystem should have been the thing we're in and the thing that we're working with. How do we make that better as opposed to how do we define it? Because it feels like it's outside of what we're doing, which I thought was interesting. And obviously, I wasn't in the room. But uh, my, my views as a, as, a, as, a, as a startup and as a business that is trying to get create value um, of my own is that the focus sometimes becomes overly emphasized on an ecosystem far too early in, in a lot of businesses. Um, and I think it's right and it's wrong, right? It's right because there is an expectation like stakeholder groups, government, et cetera, et cetera, should be there to support the you know wonderful and purest intentions of all startups. But we also have to pepper that with some reality that that is actually not the case. Um, and so if you're not going to have a completely you know transparent and supportive ecosystem, that shouldn't be a hurdle or, an impl- or a, a crutch to your success. Uh, so I think that using that to focus or move away from this notion of value is a bit of a cop out. And I know you, you know, you, we spoke very briefly about how you kept on trying to reframe the discussion around value, because I fundamentally believe that understanding the ecosystem is one aspect, but being clear about the value you as a business bring, and as a result, what value the ecosystem would would would, would amplify is important. But if you're not focused on your initial value to start with, I think the other, you know, is just is just useless. So, so my view, and when when I when I look at my business and the people that I interact with i say to them the ecosystem is great and it'll only work for you and it'll only work in your favor if you are clear about what we are doing and so defining our our vision our trajectory our uh, what we need to achieve is more important to me in most cases than trying to unpack an ecosystem Um, and unpacking an ecosystem will come um, to simply amplify your efforts and not to make or break what you're doing and i think the chronology of that gets mixed up and i think that's where the emotion comes in Um, i often speak to young people that are you know that asked to be mentored or want mentorship relationships and i give them the anecdote i say you know mentorship is wrong if you think it's about making your dreams come true Um, mentorship is simply something that provides acceleration so your dreams should be on track and you should be going to hit them and by mentorship relationship you're simply accelerating that you're skipping some learnings you're doing something better and an ecosystem for a startup is exactly the same if you're going to look to an ecosystem to make you a great business person or a great success story that's not going to happen Um, if you've got your value articulated correctly an ecosystem adds fuel behind that it accelerates it plugs in it does and that i can completely uh, agree with i love the, the the sort of fresh perspective you're bringing to it because you know someone tried to sort of liken their th- the way they think about ecosystem to the solar system and how the sun our star as it were is central to that ecosystem and that turned problematic because it's pretty factual that without the sun as central to to life as we know it or as central to the solar system, if it were to disappear or be blanketed in some way, like everything would sort of fall apart. And so then the politics is then about, okay, so who's at the center of our ecosystem? Who's most necessary? Who dictates terms, you know? And then it becomes about a power thing. And then it becomes, again, maybe in some cases about dealing with feelings of powerlessness. Then it becomes important to define who has a right to assume that central role and assert themselves in that role. And it, so it got really interesting. Yeah. I think maybe to stick with that analogy of a, of a solar system or the sun, you know, I think directionalism is, is, is an interesting concept in business as well. But 
I would argue that there is that central point is your business. That's your value proposition, right? You are the center. You are the sun. And therefore, you have a responsibility to define your ecosystem based on your proximity to everything else. The fact that someone else has got a business and they are the center of their own universe, right? And being able to bring around the resources that create your ex- ecosystem is important. Once again, the definition is of you first, your value first, before you can wrap it in the ecosystem. If you're saying, you know, I'm looking to the government to be the sun, which is the ecosystem, and then I'm going to try and plug into the government. The government's self-serving objectives are very different to what your business needs to do. If you're looking at the angel investor network or even some kind of incubator to be your, your solar system, then you've got a problem because you haven't defined your value. So, I mean, even on that argument, I really find it difficult because there's almost this, and I, and I don't know whether it's a mental thing, it's almost like saying someone else is responsible for my success. Like, how do you use the reference of a sun and then everything else, and then who is the sun? You know, I, I struggle with that notion. Uh, you know, you are the sun, and then everything else needs to fit in your ecosystem and if you don't have that defined correctly you're going to get super frustrated because you're going to look for the sun and sometimes that's like chasing shadows it doesn't exist um, and i do agree i think sometimes it's, it's, it's a harsh reality but it's the truth uh, no one is going to try and define you know define you as the sun or you make you the sun <laughs> your business your value is the sun and therefore if you have that at its core and, and and as i said that was the value conversation then i think a lot of the stuff become you know it becomes moot points so I thought the solar system analogy was was limited in, in properly understanding the reality versus the imagined ideal of what ecosystem looks like within emerging tech on the continent. And and I and I make the distinction between you know uh imagined and real because you know, I certainly have a justice complex fed by a constant barrage of reminders of what things should be and how they are not. And I think as Africans operating as founders or investors or even uh, tech hubs or what, whatever the case may be, we're all constantly grappling with this and sort of keeping ourselves going and energized by the idea that we're helping create a new dispensation that looks nothing like what the reality is right now. So that said, this is what I shared through a, a sort of gradual process of discovery uh, and introspection, I I tried to lead the group to limiting their view of the situation or their definition of the situation or the unpacking of the situation to value. And the reason for that is, again, to eliminate the emotive side. And I think we need a lot of time and energy spent on conversations and unpacking our emotions. This is not me saying we shouldn't talk about it. The reason we spend so much time speaking in this fashion on this podcast is because you know, we value the, the conversations around things that typically don't get discussed because they may be too emotional for a boardroom, you know? I think there's room and, and space for that. But when formulating a, what's the word? A pragmatic and actionable mindset around this, I feel if you think of value as as something that's exchanged, then you start to sort of be able to define the legitimacy of actors within our ecosystem on that basis. You, you're perhaps in a, in a position to set aside their lack of decency, morality, their lack of respect, or other things like that. And you're able to sort of basically identify, for better or for worse, whether I like it or not, player X, player Y, whether we're talking government, an expat with money, a grant funder, you know, a hard-nosed foreign investor, a local investor with, you know, who doesn't understand the space and undervalues technology, you know, incumbent corporates, you're able to sort of identify the role they play in terms of actual value that they can deliver 
and exchange with you and, and also hold yourself to your point earlier to similar account so that you don't waste time and energy debating when you should be in execution mode. I don't know if this makes sense. Uh, it makes it makes absolute sense, and you know maybe to use an an example of an outlier, which is which is Silicon Valley, which one could argue is probably the most sophisticated ecosystem, in inverted commas. Um, and I I would I would pose the question that has anybody outside of maybe Silicon Valley ever said, um, quote unquote, my business has succeeded because of the ecosystem, right? Then and I'd say probably not. I think an ecosystem thought is a great way to. Um, uh, to sum up how you were supported through the infancy of your business and to start into traction, but it was it would I doubt that many people would you know you would allocate that one thing as a primary success factor. Um, the second thing is if you look at an advanced ecosystem like a Silicon Valley and you try and ask yourself you know using the same um, using the same example or the same um, uh, picture is what is the sun in the context of of Silicon Valley? Who is the sun? If you look at that as an ecosystem, right? Could you say it is the amazing talent that is coming through from a technical perspective would you say it is the VC network of people that's available would you say it's purely just the presence of capital um, what is the sun in the context of, of, of even Silicon Valley and I don't think you'd be able to answer that unequivocally right so so the conversation once again around using a, a directional uh, almost like divorcing yourself from responsibility because you're putting the center of your universal ecosystem as something that is away from you I think that comes with a lot of uh, as I said it, it's a little bit you need maturity to understand that that is not the case um, i could put you in the most sophisticated ecosystem in the world that's not going to make or break your business but um, what is going to make or break your business is the maturity to understand um, what is going to be required for you to make it succeed um, and that always comes after the definition of value for your own company i think um, uh, what i want to say uh, to everyone listening is we you know we really care to, to know what you think on the matter are you as emotional as you know some people I know about how this ecosystem is defined? Who can fairly or legitimately be considered a player within this ecosystem? Who we need to keep an eye on? Who perhaps is uh, you know more equal than some in terms of like the value they produce and deliver? If I were to ask you to make a list of five of the most crucial players within Africa's emerging tech ecosystem and innovation ecosystem, would you be able to do it? Would it be easy for you? If so, why? We'd love to hear from you. Please do feel free to, to contribute to this conversation on Twitter. We're at African Roundup. On Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And of course, we'd love to hear from you via email using the address hello at africantechroundup.com. So now moving on to some of the, um, uh, to some uh, interesting uh, discussions uh, I was a part of at uh, the African Angel Investor Summit 2017. Um, starting first with this debate, that sort of filtered into quite a few of the various sessions that were hosted at the two-day event. This idea of the African unicorn and whether or not the idea of promoting the desirability of the emergence of an African unicorn or at least many African unicorns, whether that's either one, an unhealthy obsession or two, a irresponsible aspiration to promote or three, a wholly noble objective that all of us should be playing towards. Now, Musa, where do you fall in terms of those three things? I fall um, all over the place. Let me just... 
that's all right. <laughs> I want to read just to some definitions, right? Just for my own understanding and just to set the, set the kind of tone. So there, there's three concepts in terms of entrepreneurship and business growth. The first is this idea of a gorilla. And, uh, you know, with a quick internet search, you'll be able to find that the definition of a gorilla is kind of what they call a market share leader. Um, that's position is sustained by some or other proprietary technology, right? So not necessarily growing at the biggest rate, but they own a lot of market share. And it's primarily because they've invested in some tech for a while. One of the businesses I tried to start when I was younger tried to do that, but we, you know, didn't succeed. Bless our souls. Um, the second is, is this idea of a gazelle. And, uh, I did ask you offline kind of the definition. Um, and that's obviously a high growth company increasing its revenues by at least 20% annually, um, for four years or more. All right. Tommy Davy is, of course, the president of the African Business Angels Network. Now, this is one he favors, this, this idea of a gazelle. Correct. Um, and the challenge there is that the starting revenue base is at least $1 million, right? Um, and obviously, in our context, we need to ask the question about how many are out there. And then the, and then the third is, is this mythical kind of unicorn, which is essentially um, valued at a uh, at billion dollars and has 10x, uh, 10x growth prospects. So, so, so the idea for me of, of these three categorizations is interesting. There is a little bit of, uh, of, of, of uh, Hollywood attached to this notion of gazelles, gorillas, and, and unicorns, which can take people's eye off the prize. Um, I think, and, and my, two, my two main reasons are, I don't think it is possible to produce lots of each of one of these categories, right? It's impossible. They're outliers by any stretch of any imagination. So by people focusing on them as the primary thing they're trying to achieve, I think it takes away from the reality that the middle center, the bell curve, means that most businesses are not going to be any of these three. But I believe that the growth is going to come from the bell curve, the middle. So neither gazelle, neither gorilla, or neither unicorn. I think the purpose that they serve purely um, is, 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 is to do two things. The first is to show that it's possible. And I really think that is, that is important, right? It's, it's the story that allows people to believe that things can be done. And I think that's what Hollywood as well as America as well as Silicon Valley do very well. Uh, in our context, not so much. But I think if we can add that element of aspiration so that young people can, can, can contextualize it, I think it's good. Because yeah, I, I did speak to at least one VC who, and by the way, uh, will be putting out quite a few interviews from the summit really good ones and 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 one of the vcs did mention that he one of his bugbears is 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 founders who don't seem to have sufficient ambition for example so to your point absolutely and i don't think we popularize them much um maybe because if you're in far between i don't know i'm pretty sure they're out there but we just don't do such a great job of making sure that the people who need to access them can access them which comes to my second point is that i think the second place they're useful is obviously from a from a knowledge and a case study perspective um, i'm pretty certain that some people that were pitted to be gazelles um, or even gorillas have failed um, and they can be really great sources of learning for not only entrepreneurs but the four formalized process of educating people around entrepreneurship so the ability to create inspiration kind of north star this is where we're going i think is one and the second is the case study process of saying this is how to get it right or get it wrong um, but as i as i said in the beginning that needs to be peppered with the understanding that it's unlikely that your business your wonderful startup bless your soul we think you're doing really well but it's unlikely that you'll be either one of those three and that doesn't mean you're not driving impact our economies are not going to be driven by gazelles unicorns um, or gorillas they're going to be driven by the middle um, which is the bell curve where we need to spend time and effort building companies and so i agree with everything you said and i think um i'm i'm for the team that is about concentrating on business value and, and getting entrepreneurs to to build great businesses and be awesome as one vc put it at the conference you know just just be awesome and you'll be all right i think the tension comes when you have a room full of investors angel investors and, and vcs who are basically playing the 10x game because 
they have to um the their, their funds only you know technically last maybe as long as maybe seven twelve years max you know in some cases as little as between four to eight and then it's also really risky investment activities that they're they're in, invested in and so it's a numbers game on some level and by default i mean you need that sort of 10x potential to even out the risk you're you're exposing yourself to but then there's this whole debate around is that approach appropriate for a continent that's one behind the adoption curve in many you know digital terms um, to um, for a continent that has you know markets uh, and behavioral characteristics within those markets that don't mirror other places in the world necessarily, um, how do you deal with that given given those things? And then I spoke to a venture capitalist whose whose firm was you know one of the partners in in Andela's most recent round, and his take on it is um, he he considers it unnecessary and even unfair to treat Africa on, on different terms. He feels that it's actually condescending to, to think that Africa needs some sort of different approach to, to venture capital and, and should be held to, the, to, to any similar standard. And he sees any attempt to think in any other way as insulting to the continent and, and to serious investors who want to work here. And I was like, wow, he, he really did flip the script. I get his problem. He's his source of frustration. You know that he happens to be Israeli, mind you. And I haven't dropped his name because I want. I, I'm tantalizing you because we'll be putting his. We'll be putting his conversation with me out a little later on. But yeah, <laughs> I love what your voice did there. Tantalizing. <laughs> yeah, he went all like, "We'll be putting his voice out later on." That's like really creepy stuff. <laughs> but if it sounded creepy, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but we get it. We get it. We get it. Um. Yeah, so, so I understand his, his uh, maybe frustration or kind of maybe just angst. Not angst, angst is the wrong word, but irritation, being perturbed by the fact that there's new definitions for, for the African context. Um, and in principle, I get, I get where it's coming from. I'm also not a fan of ring fencing us as anything particularly peculiar. I do think that because these definitions are based on business performance, there's kind of a global approach. It's a universal thing, right? So you're growing 20% year on year in Egypt versus growing 20% year on year in wherever. Um, Nigeria versus growing 20% year on year in Silicon Valley. You're growing 20% year on year, right? So those are global measures. Um, so on that basis, I think the irritation is valid or the being perturbed by it is valid. Um, on, on another, you know, the argument about the realistic view of how many companies will grow 10x in um, in a in a less technologically enabled environment, given our constraints from a um, uh, from an infrastructure perspective, da 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 da, is also you know is also something worth considering. Um, is it fair to measure apples with pears, given that apples are fundamentally different from pears? Yeah, you know, maybe not. They're both fruits. But um, but in my view, I think I I don't have an issue with it. I don't have an issue with the category that speaks to us um, because I think a gazelle in the U.S. and a gazelle in in, in South Africa or, or Nigeria or, or Kigali um, is a business that is showing performance and is showing um uh, is showing potential um uh, aside from that you know the, your friend that uh, was uh, being perturbed by it i think he might have been a little bit emotional about the about about the whole thing um for me it's if we're hitting the numbers and we're able to measure it globally then there's nothing wrong perhaps it's also where we are in terms of our growth curve as an ecosystem right i mean um surely our expectations of silicon valley in its infancy aren't what they you know, aren't what they are now. And perhaps our expectations of ourselves will change. 
the standards to which we hold ourselves must must evolve in time as well. And so I think these things are sort of true at the same time. I mean, I agree with him. I also agree with people, you know, investors and others who believe that Africa needs different thinking, perhaps innovative thinking, perhaps less rigid application of definitions that have been set elsewhere. I believe, I, I feel like all of that's true at the same time. And I do think that regardless of how hard and fast you stand on any of these issues, um, it's possible to extract value from this market if, um, again, you're approaching it with a thesis that takes into account context sufficiently, that's, you know, leveraging local knowledge and insight sufficiently, and, and frankly, making the best possible decisions about who to back, you know, in terms of future wins. Maybe to add to that as well, is I, when I consider... As you said, if you look, if you think about this as a almost like a journey or a roadmap, um, and when Silicon Valley started to where it is now versus where Africa ecosystem is to where it's going, it's worth considering that a lot of the time, even in Israel, in the U.S., businesses and companies there are now at the point where, if you're building a tech company, you are likely building it for the globe, right? It's likely to be a, a global company. Um, whereas in Africa, I wonder whether that is the case. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, use cases where. There's still very much a local focus on solving problems in Africa. I think there are some businesses that have, are thinking locally but globally at the same time, but I don't think it's ultimately always global, if, if that makes sense, right? So the starting point in terms of why people are creating businesses, I think because our pain points are so much closer and we've got so many more local problems to solve, I think their companies are building to solve more local problems. And over time, as we have started to solve those problems, I think the view will shift. Um, the philosophical view that I can build a business in, in, in an emerging market or in Africa, whatever it is, and that business fundamentally will serve as someone in Kazakhstan. Um, I, I know even in our companies, when we speak to people about this notion of you want to build a business that, that sells to people we've never met, some people look at that and they go, that's weird. Like, we don't understand that because, you know, if you're going to build a business, we need to understand how we're going to interact with you physically. Um, so I think there's also there's there's definitely psychological restraint as far as people understanding the implication and therefore a definition around gazelle versus unicorn would make sense because that contextualizes that as well maybe. I mean, so one of the other conversations I was a part of, uh, I was facilitating on on the main stage um, at this summit uh, was one around the exit and um, I had four venture capitalists to speak. I think there was Knife Capital involved. There was Daniel Guasco and and his sort of difficult to explain consortium by his own admission difficult to explain um portfolio of companies there was uh um quona capital and um i remember there was one other sean yeah there was one other vc i can't get to his name right now nevertheless um the discussion basically was about how vcs think about the exit you know the great this great exit in the context of you know, again, how it's thought of in more developed markets and how, you know, there seems to be a super laser focus, the super disciplined thinking around if there isn't a straight line between a conversation I'm having with, with a prospective portfolio company um, as a VC or as an angel investor, if there's no focused discussion or straight line to draw from this discussion to like an exit of some sort, there's literally no point. Yeah, so I was, it was interesting to hear how they think about it within an African context. You know, Kona Capital, for example, has, uh, while they have very sort of capitalist backers like Goldman Sachs, for example, um, or investors uh, or LPs, they do have like a, an impact-focused thesis 
And then again, talking about this slow capital mindset and, and all the different needs Africa has and where we're at and in terms of like our development as, a, as, as markets and as a continent. You know, it was actually quite interesting to hear what they had to say about the importance of the exit. And I came away a little bit um, unclear as to how they, they, they determine from a business perspective the viability of a prospect in terms of that. And so in your mind, Musa, I mean, you, you now head up a group, Bridge Labs. You, you have three solid startups in your stable. Um, how do you think your, your, your portfolio companies fare in terms of the exit? Or do you, are you more sort of preoccupied thinking about other more fundamental issues that are like here and now? I don't know. Yo, man, I'm all about the exit. <laughs> Let's start there for, for, for a few reasons. Um, we've had lots and lots of conversations about how capital is, um, is not local and doesn't play by local rules. And that's only because capital in its, in its crudest form and cash is not, is not held and owned by us. And, and exits create that. Exits create the, the opportunity and the capability to become um, a cash flush and to be able to reinvest into our ecosystem. That's, that's a reality. Um, and so our businesses, as we design them and as we create them, we create them for, for, for exits. Um, I still believe we are in a phase of the technological curve um, that there's huge value to be created and there is huge upside to be gained. Um, do I think that's always going to be the case? No, I don't. I don't think that's always going to be the case. I think, um, I think eventually we will have to get to a point where um, businesses and companies are built uh, with a slightly longer term orientation. But I definitely feel as a phase of where we're at now, um, exits make a lot of sense for a lot of people. Um, I also think exits create, as I said, balance sheets. And for people like myself, um, the ability to reinvest in other ideas, other businesses. Um, now, the implication of, of thinking about exits when you're building a business is that it may create nerves with people trying to invest in you, right? And I understand that as well. I understand the fact that when an investor is looking at your business or someone's trying to put money in your, you know, in your bank account, um, they're trying to see how committed you are to this thing. And if you start talking the language of an exit, it creates this thing that maybe you're not, um, you're not committed to the long run. And I, I personally think it's not the case. And I think sometimes um, because people think that it can be a deterrent as far as being able to finalize a lot of transactions. I think there's a maturity in understanding a particular business um, in a particular industry at a particular time um, and being able to look at that very specifically and diagnose whether that's a company that needs um, you know, a sustained, more sustained view or a view towards an exit. Um, I also think that the, the notion of an exit, unfortunately, sometimes plays into the Hollywood narrative of, you know, build a business in 12 months, sell it, become a billionaire type thing, which is not which is not real. Um, and I think some maturity needs to come into that conversation and that when you're building for an exit, um, there may be a very slow burn in the beginning, but that doesn't mean you're not trying to sell it. Uh, and I think the more uh, immature startups that I've seen have got those things confused that, you know, because you're building for an exit, your behavior leading up to the exit is very important as well. Uh, we will not exit on you know anything that is less than what we believe to be the value of the company and if you've created this unrealistic expectation with yourself and your shareholders um, you may make the wrong decisions leading up to that so so i think exit must be held with 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 a very clear um timeline in mind and therefore the behavior of of, of the sorry founders and and startup um, startup uh, uh, companies um, should be consummate to what you're trying to achieve and not create fanaticism and and, and uh, unrealistic expectations. Do you know what? I, there was something that did come out um, that, I, that I, quite found, I found quite useful, this idea of being 
exit ready. I thought that was quite useful um, in terms of like practical advice for for startups listening um, or startups, you know, at the conference. This idea not to be unnecessarily caught up or preoccupied with this notion of like cashing out and cashing out big at some point in some shape or form, whether it's, you know, through acquisition or by some of the means. Um, But also not confusing that with the discipline of, you know, keeping your house in order and as far as if the opportunity availed itself tomorrow or next week, like would you be in a position to act on it? However well your business is, is, is working or however profitable it is, is it in fact um, ready to take advantage of an opportunity to, to exit? Yeah. As you've mentioned, there's a really important aspect of maturity um, of, of all people in the conversation, stakeholder found, uh, stakeholders, founders, buyers, wherever it is, there's a maturity component that relates to an exit. There's an IP component that relates to exits. You know, people that have built businesses and have potentially great IP, there's a whole piece that needs to be in place there for people to invest comfortably um, around IP. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is from a process perspective, whatever, build, whatever business you've built, um, how it works, the, you know, are the cogs well-oiled? Are the cogs in place? Is everything secure? Um, that also needs to be, uh, you know, and that comes down to fundamental uh, business value. Um, and then the last thing is, 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 is revenue, is margins. Does the business make sense? Is it, is it profitable? Um, and those are not liked discussions, right? So, and that's why, you know, I always caution to rushing into exit conversations without being prepared for them. And typically the way we approach it is that we've, we, we try and, we, we, we try and build for exit, right? So building for exit means that you're thinking about these things way before you even making money, right? Um, and sometimes the conversations may appear premature, but because we're building for exit, it makes sense. Uh, and a lot of times we have to check ourselves because we kind of like, we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing yet, but we're building for exit. Therefore we have to make the foundations right. Nice, nicely done, dude. I mean, you and I both are really exhausted, but somehow we've ma- we've managed to to have a, a sound conversation that I hope our listeners will benefit from, and more importantly, that I hope they'll carry forward and participate. And guys, you, that's your cue to hop onto social media, give us a shout via Twitter at African Roundup or via Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup, or drop us an email, or even better, send us a voice note, tell us how you feel. Uh, via hello at africantechroundup.com otherwise this episode of the african tech roundup has been brought to you by ask an african that's our new standalone commercial innovation that we've been working on at the jam lab accelerator now Uh, if you're interested in joining our beta either as a client or as a participant i.e a discussant a conversant within our live network please do give us a shout uh, via email again the email is hello at africantechroundup.com we look forward to hearing from you with that said Musa again it's always a pleasure having you on the show and of course uh, shooting breeze with you um, off mic as well um, yeah thank you so much for being here bro I, I, uh, to those of you who, who sense that um, I'm a little low in energy it has been a hectic week it's not that um, I'm over uh, <laughs> doing this I just I, I love it in fact we both love it too much not to come at you regardless of how we feel so thank you so much for prioritizing this appointment but thank you to Musa for being here thank you Andile all the time all the time and thank you for listening in once again it's always good please give us your feedback let us know uh, if you agree disagree want to add it's always good to get your feedback and it really helps us to make the show better so thanks for having me again and uh, see you next time indeed I'm still Andile Masugo and do take care Africa